Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost and Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who's been driving toxic waste trucks since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and uh, it's good money, man. I mean, uh, we're assuming those children are being paid? I don't know about that. I'm really... I, that's very suspicious. I thought, I, I thought he had said that he was paying them, yeah, but, but I could be wrong stuff, on that. He does say a lot of stuff. all bullshit. Um, one of the deleted scenes, actually, is him driving into a burning garbage pile where he finds all those kids. And and I'm pretty sure in that deleted scene, he offers them money. Okay. But it's also shot from, like, overhead of just him leaning out the window and them approaching the car right. and then getting in. So, uh, real creeper in that scene, actually. Yeah, well, but, I mean, uh, he's got real creeper vibes through and through. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. this is a right. very, very upsetting human being. <laughs> Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Mm-hmm. Over there for a dollar a month, we do a non-Criterion bonus episode, and our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch. Yeah, they do. Now, now, supporters can also suggest lists if they want, but generally I put those together, and I'm always happy to take a user suggestion. Don't get me wrong. And I do have some user suggestions I haven't used yet. But yeah, we're we're saving them for for just the right moment. Save them, save them for when I really can't think of anything. Which is often what happens. Yeah, I was I was gonna say though, you I, the number of times we've had a conversation like I don't know what I'm gonna do this month. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, usually, if a supporter does submit a list, we also try to get them involved with the actual recording and invite them on because it's just so much fun to talk to someone about a movie they really love. Mm. Uh, the last couple months of bonus episodes have been. Uh, Really fantastic, I think. For February, we did a list of the documentaries that were inducted into the U.S. National Film Archive uh, for 2001. Right. And ended up watching The Murder of Fred Hampton, which was... A a really amazing film. Really. Yeah, really great documentary. Uh, Before that, we watched for, uh, for January. We put together a list of films celebrating labor victories and ended up watching Salt of the Earth, which I... I honestly really believe to be one of our best episodes. Yeah, uh, was was also a fantastic conversation, but a fantastic film. Uh, yeah, just a film that was inspiring both for the story it told and the fact that it was a true story, and the fact that the entire apparatus of the U.S. government and Hollywood tried to keep ba- this movie from being made. Well, no, you're and forgetting failed. at least one because uh, <laughs> you're also forgetting the entire. You said Hollywood, and you said. United States government, you forgot also the actual zinc mining industry that also yes, was working, yes, yes, was working yes, very hard to make yes, sure that no The actual zinc mining. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. Um, anyway. Yeah. And that's just that's just 2022. Uh, the two films we've done so far. We've done uh, we've done over 50. Uh, we've been doing this, the bonus episodes we've been doing for, you know, nearly five years now, let alone the main podcast. So. Ah, man, time. Time is weird. Keeps going. Yeah, it does. 
but we do have a lot of fun over there. Not that we don't have a lot of fun over here, uh, but over here well, it's like uh, this is work. Over here, yeah, over here it's work. Over there, it's it's blowing off steam. It really is. That's that's kind of how this works out. For our five dollar and above supporters, we'd like to thank those folks on air. So thank you so much to Eric Coronado, Stephen Goldmeyer, and Chris Otto, who are our current $5 supporters. Above that, at the $10 mark, not only will we thank them on air, but they get something that I think is pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently each month, and I get that printed up on a postcard and write a personalized thank you note to our $10 and above supporters. Yeah, it's pretty great. We do like to thank those $10 and above supporters as well. So thank you so much to Jason Westhaver, Michael McGrath, Nina Bajnak, Patrick Yako, and Adam Spickerman, our current $10 and above supporters. Also, if you want to see some of that artwork, you can head over to redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criteria. And there, uh, the old postcards are up there for sale. You can check them out, see the sort of thing you'll be getting. Or if something entices you, order one and send it to your aunt. For yeah, her birthday. She, she'll appreciate it. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, not. your aunt probably probably loves Pat's art. Probably is yeah. one of his most diehard fans and will be so grateful that yeah. you've somehow figured out her favorite artist mm-hmm. and sent her a card based on his work. Really pulled it out of nowhere because she probably didn't give you any hints that that was true. Yeah, because she's ashamed. I wish she shouldn't be. <laughs> she's shown it. And this is, is how you this this is how you show that right she now you guys share something together, and right. and that's really meaningful. your relationship is yeah. your relationship is stronger. Yeah. You should do it. Go order a yeah. Go order a postcard and send it to your aunt. Yeah, Redbubble.com. Search for Lost in Criterion. Or to support us more directly, go over to Patreon.com/slash Lost in Criterion. But you know what? Even if you can't, we're still glad you're listening. Yeah, Thanks. we are. Absolutely. This week, we are talking about Gamora, the 2008 Italian crime movie directed by Matteo Garone, based on the uh, nonfiction novel, a piece of creative nonfiction of the same name by a guy named Roberto Saviano. Uh, Saviano was a journalist. Um, He became the national expert on the Gamora, which is the actual name of the criminal organization that why Gamora why is the change about. i assume it's covered on wikipedia but i haven't opened the wikipedia for this like I, why why is that just the 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 transliteration is it supposed to just transliterate like with a slightly different consonant like i don't understand i, I don't think that that is necessarily it i think that camora camara and gamora are probably false cognates uh-huh. Um, I don't actually know the history of the name. Uh, now I, now I can. The word is likely a blend or portmanteau of capo boss, and the Neapolitan street game the Mora, uh, which is its own Wikipedia link. Um, the Mora is a hand game that dates back thousands of years to ancient Roman and Greek times. Each player simultaneously reveals their hand, extending any number of fingers, and calls out a number. Any player who successfully guesses the total number of fingers revealed by all players combined wins. Oh, yeah, okay. I know uh, games like that. You know that. Yeah, those yeah, are, those there are, are, there are plenty, of, plenty of hand games. Usually like it's that. like, what is it, odds so, and evens or whatever? Right, right, right. So uh, whereas, you know, Gomorrah being the biblical city destroyed for wickedness, 
uh, or a biblical city <laughs> destroyed for wickedness, Sodom and Gomorrah, um, in the story of Lot, uh, is probably just something, I don't know, someone thought was kind of related, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, terrible, immoral city. Uh, incidentally, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that, uh, according to other parts of the Bible, the problem in Gomorrah was just that they weren't taking care of the poor people. Right. Uh, so, uh, hey, that plays into this too, right? <laughs> but Right. Well, anyway. yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's that, yeah, yeah. So the the Gomorrah, uh, as a crime entity, um, dates back to the 17th century. They are therefore older uh, than any other, like, mafia in Italy. Uh, even the the predecessors of the Sicilian mob don't go back that far. Right. Um, and they're organized differently than what we might think of with with Italian mafia, Sicilian mafia groups, or um, Cosa Nostra groups. Uh, they're really more affiliates, uh, clan affiliates, than a centralized boss. Right. Um. Within the film, we are talking about a particular time in Camorra history, um, which is a little out of sync with what the film presents it as. But it was about a year-long time in 2004, uh, from October 2004 to the next year, I believe, whereas what we're seeing takes place in the summer of 2004, I think, is the date given. Um, but... Uh, Basically, what happened was uh, some of the local clans got into selling drugs, or one of the local clans got into selling drugs and was uh, bringing in a really fluctuating amount of money. And one of the bosses decided that they would, uh, instead of earning a percentage of the money that they were bringing in, they would be treated as employees now and just paid a... uh, paid a monthly salary salary no matter what they brought in uh and despite that salary being a significant amount of money right particularly for someone in naples uh i think i if i'm remembering correctly I, i draw this from one of the bonus features that interviews the author of the book um i think it was like fifty thousand dollars uh, it might have been fifty thousand euro, but I think it was fifty thousand. Well, right, but that's not equivalent. That yeah. Well, in two thousand four, it was probably actually closer than it even is today. But, um, but in any case, it was it's not a lot an insignificant amount of money, right, of money. Yeah. and that's that's monthly. So, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the guys who felt like they were getting cheated in that deal uh, got together and started a war in Naples uh, that. Cool. Averaged four people dead per day. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Yeah, they they had that thing at the end. It's like, oh boy, this is this is yeah. a lot. <laughs> this is really bad. Yeah. And, um, Saviano was like I said, he was a journalist, and he was writing about the Camorra among other things. But Camorra was kind of his beat for one of the national magazines he worked for, and he became sort of a governmental. Uh, an expert that the government looked to on what exactly was going on. And, you know, this is an organization that's been around long enough and, you know, 
central enough that they have their finger in every illicit and licit. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the uh, way those things industry. go, right? Like, <laughs> right. I feel like that's you know, even that's the thing, right? Is that that's always the deal? Is that like there's always a kind right. of goal to be in both, right? It always seems like to be in like yeah legal and, and illegal activities, right? And often Kimura was using their uh, criminal earnings to invest legitimately, uh, even in in projects they weren't directly working on. Uh, the Kimura invested in the construction of the Twin Towers. Yeah, I saw uh, that in that New was, York. Right? That was very. Um, I mean, yeah. that's. Well, we can get into a discussion <laughs> of like Listen, criminality. I'm, in, I'm not in, saying there wasn't in criminality in building like, that. Yeah. Uh, and and certainly the capitalism aspect is something we will talk about. Uh, but uh, the Camorra from Italy sending that money as an investment was a legitimate investment, not uh, not money laundering. Right. Well, I mean, it is money laundering, but it wasn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't a criminal enterprise explicitly. Uh, in any case, um, even within the movie, we see them, you know, they've got their hands in the fashion industry. They've got their right. hands in uh, waste management, in construction, in, uh, you know, and also in drug deals. Right. Um, I like, I don't know. I, I'm always, always uh, a little skeptical when someone gets someone labels something the largest outdoor or the largest open yeah, air no, drug that, market that in the world, hyperbole is always like, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's always it suspect. always feels like propaganda, right? Like it always has this yeah. sort of like, yeah. and also to it. also something about open air drug market. One, what does that combination of words really even mean? Right. Yes. And who's maintaining that list? Uh, right like, well yeah that's always the thing right it always has this feel of like did you like did does, you does manage any... this to come up with this statement because you literally there's almost yeah. no data right with right. which is to there... o- like to with which to operate is there some uh some place out there that is really proud about being the second largest open air drug market in the world right oh. That reminds me, there used to be a fire station here in Columbus that had a big sign out front that said it was busiest station in the nation, uh, which seems like something you would not want to brag about. Uh, right, but, right, 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 right. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I Googled, in thinking about that, I Googled the term largest open air drug market uh, and uh, saw a description of an area of Philadelphia that is called one of the nation's largest open-air drug markets uh, and a particular place in Pittsburgh that was called the largest open-air drug market in Pittsburgh, which seems like even yeah. <laughs> all of, you know, all of those are like, copganda is probably the right, the right Yeah, well, I mean, it depends on like, I guess, uh, who the that that statement serves, like, Right. Who right. who benefits from that being like the thing yeah. you call a thing? And I don't and think it's our, the drug dealers in this it's not situation. The, it's not the drug dealers. With our author, I guess maybe it kind of benefits the marketing of his book and the marketing of the book. Oh yeah, no, I would say book, yes. The, the the author is is the other person in that, but but we already yeah, can kind of get the impression that the author and the police are hand in hand on this. So like that one, the benefit to one is the benefit to both, right? Like, 
if 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 it gets labeled if they label it and successfully label it the largest open air drug market in the world the the book sells because people want to read about it and the cops get whatever they want out of this which is presumably more power right right Uh, right you know i mean yeah but one would guess i don't know we don't really we do see police every so often in this movie but like, um, keep in mind that the police don't necessarily have to want power for the purpose of actually like successfully right, stopping right. drugs. Police can want power for any for any number of reasons, which could include just getting a bigger cut of the drug business in that town, right? Like, I mean, if they can successfully make themselves a larger presence so that they are a bigger gang with more power, then they can leverage that into more money, right? Presumably, if 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 there is a gang known as the police with official sanctioned power in an area that also has un like unstained like non state sanctioned gangs doing quote unquote illegal activity, then if if one hasn't eradicated the other, there there must be some sort of of tacit agreement going on there, and presumably it is payoffs right like that's the deal right, right like right right if the police haven't already wiped because bear in mind police have in theory unlimited power right like in 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 as a gang right like they can presuming that the state wants to stop a thing from happening it can pour almost infinite resources into doing that right right uh, it can always right. it can always just throw more bodies at the problem right so if they if the police haven't successfully done that then that would mean that they have some reason to not, which is presumably they are taking kickbacks, right? Like, that's right, the deal, right? right? right. Uh, and so if they have more power, then they've if they've leveraged for more power, then they also are leveraging for more ability to generate kickbacks, right? Because they can put a, they can squeeze more money out of that system. It's, you know what I mean, right? One has to assume we see arrests in the movie, and since they are... And all those people aren't in jail like the next time we see them right, <laughs> presumably right, right. they're getting paid off right like or something to that extent right uh yeah uh so i i've done the largest open air drug market in the world welcome uh, to the internet it, it seems like there may not be a consensus oh uh, really that's a shock you're telling 2000... me that people just throw that phrase around like yeah. willy-nilly cool in 2016 the journal of illicit economies and development uh, from uh, ISC, some uh, so wait. ISC. I need to correct AC. myself. UK. There I is one group is. of people that actually is doing that research. They're called academics. <laughs> and it's and academics. They do waste their time. Yeah. On it. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. This one might actually. This might be the only accurate one. Sorry. Yes. Uh, there is a group, they, but they also have limited range, right? They can they yeah. cover every place at every time to know right, that that's right. true. They, they name the they name a town in Colombia. Um. The CBC has a news article, the the Canadian Broadcasting Company. The CBC from 2016 talks to a Vancouver cop who says, and CBC does say it this way, she considers this oh. area of Vancouver to be the largest open air <laughs> drug market in the world. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, it's like, it's yeah. always like, it's a, whoever's like gunning for some more, some more cash some, in their, in their sort of. Yeah. Somebody writing Offers. creative nonfiction for Balt- Baltimore Style magazine what? calls Pennsylvania Ave Bal- in Baltimore uh, the largest open-air drug market in the world. Um, 
a claim that a criminal on trial in Baltimore uh, also gets quoted as saying in the Baltimore Sun because (laughs) apparently he says it was that largest open-air drug market in the world enticed him into the city into illicit business. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so yeah, that that is just to clarify if it wasn't clear already. That is a nebulous claim right. that is always it's, it's, yeah, dubious at best. <laughs> always, always put out in service. I am, I am not saying this to say that what the Kimura is doing in this movie is by any means good. No, uh, and, and I want to be but... clear when I talk when I complain about <laughs> cops. I'm not saying that like, <laughs> that, like I'm I'm pro <laughs> enormous like gang drug operation. Right. Right, uh, right, I'm right, just pointing right. out that like there seems to be a sort of system already in place. If, if something, you know, right. clearly something is like people are obviously taking money or something. In this we environment, we have been, it's, it's sort of interesting uh, because this is a, a subset of criterion films. Yes. Uh, that are particularly about corruption and crime in Naples. Yeah. Now the rest of those movies were by Francesco Rossi, right? Uh, Salvatore Giuliani, uh, Hands Over the City, and on the Hands Over the City disc, you may not remember, but we also watched a 1992 documentary from Rossi. I vaguely remember that. That was that was basically a documentary sequel to Hands Over the City, right? Right. Uh, right. About the continued corruption in in. Uh, construction of housing particularly right really yeah yeah where yeah. It, where it gets together in that movie um but you know we see that same sort of thing in this movie. well i There's... have a theory about why that is did you notice the opening title sequence on this and who got this um sort of i guess it's it seems like it's it's american release or at least it's english uh, release I didn't notice, but I won't be surprised by whatever you're it about to say. Straight up said, it, it, it said, I forget exactly. It's they said, I think like a Martin Scorsese production. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. the reason I'm bringing that up is I, I actually don't. I mean, I don't have a problem. I Martin Scorsese is very good at this kind of thing. I yeah. like many of his films, uh, especially the ones that deal with these topics. This is not his film, but like. He either paid to have it made, or at least had to pay made to, paid to make it available to people in English speaking audiences. Yeah. Um, well, this is what he does, and it wouldn't surprise me if we found out that he had his hand in. A, he's part yeah. of the decision making sort of, body that handles. Like he, we know that he is part of the Criterion Collection writ large, right? Like he has yeah. an influence over it. It wouldn't surprise me if there's a reason why all of these corruptions in Naples films. <laughs> made their way in something he's interested in yeah so he's into it and like he and like by and large when it comes down to people who make crime dramas he's one of the better ones because he does seem to recognize the inherent flaws in what he's trying to do right right that like what he wants to say is easily undermined by the way he has to say it to make it an engaging film and he tries we've watched I've seen enough Scorsese films at this point to know that, like, you can watch him over time develop further and further trying to figure out the way to combat the those inherent flaws, right? Like, right, right. Until right. you get to the most recent one on Netflix where it's like, 
where he's borderline slapping you in the face and like, look, <laughs> this fucking sucks, okay? Right. Look at me. Right. It sucks. Yeah. You're not yeah. supposed to like this. So that is probably not wrong in a lot of ways. But the book was so popular that it was translated into 33 languages. Right, right. Well, and, and yes. And independent of whatever Scorsese might have brought to the table distribution-wise, uh, it wa- it won the it won con. Uh, yeah, so, I understand. Like, okay, I yeah. I understand that. I I'm pointing out that like he also may have just it just maybe a first mover thing like that or like this is like I mean of course like yeah. he's the he's the man with the money to make that happen in a good way right like to make right. it happen well. I mean I, my point is just that like yes I understand that. And you can see why, right? This movie is extremely yeah. engaging. Um, it's just that you know he's he's that's that's him. Like I don't know, like, and and those kinds of dramas are not popular only from him. It's not like he's it's not like he right. Right. he neither right. invented this genre nor is he like the only person in this field. He's just very very well known for it, you know. I do. I, I gotta say I love one thing about like the awards and things that this movie won on the Wikipedia page. It there's a section called top ten lists talking about all the different people who all the different movie reviewers who put it on their or critics. I I should specify not just I I suppose that's a an industrial terminology. I will make a different <laughs> distinction right. for. Uh, but uh, all these critics who put it on their top ten lists. Uh, but three of them are from the Austin Texas Chronicle. Wait. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which is the alt weekly in Austin. <laughs> so like why why do they even have three people making a top ten list? <laughs> like Well, and I like well that and that's just a funny thing, right? Because I feel like that's yeah. the sort of situation where you're like, Okay, like we're gonna do a, a compiled list. We're not going to just have <laughs> right, right, three right. separate individual lists with with nearly identical I- like items on the list. Yeah. It's a very funny idea. It's just like, well, this is, you know, we each, everybody wanted to make their own. Right. And we want to encourage uh, everybody's creativity. Which is, which is fine for the Austin Chronicle, but the Gamora Wikipedia page Does citing all to of do them that? Yeah. is very yeah. silly. <laughs> it's very silly. Um, one of them put it at number two, one put it at number five, one put it at number seven, by the way, just to, Oh, well, just it's to not. Break down the oh, list. Okay, I see. Yeah. There was disagreement about where it fit. There was the disagreement on where it should be, which is probably why they ended up making multiple lists because they couldn't, they couldn't hash out a single list. Oh man! Uh, but anyway, um, it yeah, it was a very popular movie. That is to say, um, a lot of there's not just a lot of like bonus material on this disc, but there's i think six different deleted scenes on the disc as well okay and most of them don't add a lot yeah that's not terrible so deleted scenes are always kind of that way it kind of it kind of makes sense why why some of them why most of them ended up on the on the cutting room floor why they're cut uh like i said in the introduction one of them was franco picking up the kids at the at the dump yeah uh, to have them come drive the trucks which we don't need to see him leaving and coming back with kids. It's fine. Yeah, I mean it uh, works fine fact, on its, its own, right? In fact, like in fact, it maybe even itself. works better on yeah. its own to have it be a mystery of where he came right. up with these and children. Like, yeah, I would <laughs> actually agree with that. I think I think yeah. in the end, what we get is better because you're like <laughs> right. you kind of you you. 
as an audience member get to share in the experience that Roberto has, which is like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, yeah. I'm just sitting here waiting, <laughs> right? Like, in a, in a well, weird fucking garbage dump, just waiting. The one deleted scene that I think really would have added in the movie is another one with Franco and Roberto, uh-huh. and they are they are in a construction site. And the bottom of the construction site is full of rank water uh-huh. because it has been one of their disposal sites. And the head of that build, I suppose, um, the, the executive in charge of that right. is complaining to him about the stench. And Franco tells him a story about the Sun King, uh, Louis the Fourteenth or what? We watched the movie about him, yeah. Uh, but I can't remember what number he was. Uh, but he says that that the Sun King didn't. He stank. Everybody knew he stank. So he would hold his meetings with foreign dignitaries in an orange grove. And the guy says, "I don't care about the Sun King, but the orange grove thing. We'll call it Orange Grove Park. We'll put up the orange trees." And then he turns around and says, "Hey, counselor, I've got this idea." So. It is it is a moment where this this web of corruption is actively encountering uh, legitimate construction business and right. I see what you're saying. City like, you, officials. You see that 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 through line a little bit clear. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. that's a kind of, that I will say that that is a sort of flaw in the movie. Like, not really hunting for flaws. I do like this movie quite a bit. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's very very well done and and is very engaging. But like the movie, the movie, the description of the movie on Criterion and everywhere else claims these five interconnected stories. Yeah, they're not are really interconnected. We, well, they don't call it interconnected. They're weaved together or whatever, right? Right. And right. like every so often you can kind of see the threads of how things are connected, but they don't really, they're connected only in sort of theme more than anything, right? They all cover the same group, like the same right, no, right. like the same and it, quote air quotes group, right? Because as we it see, happens this is that, disconnected. Of a lot of what Don Ciro does and a lot of what Toto does are in the same apartment complex, right? right? Yes, absolutely. But other than that, there's really not right. And a and, lot. and you you interact with like some interconnected characters, like um, what's her name, Maria, the mom. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. acts Maria. as a sort of a bridge between them. But like in the end, some of this is probably connected to the fact that I suck at humans, and and, and <laughs> right. like I found. At time, I found what I ended up doing is something that happens in movies like this for me a lot, which is the movie is, and it's actually a way that I kind of end up judging a lot of movies like this is the individual sections of the film are engaging enough that it doesn't really matter that I know or don't know who the characters in it are, right? Because I can never, I can, I this is one of those ones where it's like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a description of like it's trying to hold on to like something slippery i don't know things fish or something like i can't i can't ever really get a i can never get a real good grasp there's certain individual characters that i recognize from point to point like the young i don't remember his name but the young boy who features heavily in that his own story right the yeah, one that's who, Tito. right yeah. um who is delivering to maria um, or toto rather but yes i remember him very clearly. he's very distinctive he's very easy to remember but like some of the other guys just kind of all blend together for me and I'm like I don't know who these people are really but the stories themselves are engaging enough that right, it doesn't right, really right. matter right because they kind of just become vignettes of this 
overarching theme, which I can recognize, right? Like I can I can feel the theme of it, which is good enough, right? Like I I come right. away understanding what the movie is about, despite having a little bit of trouble actually like yeah. dealing with it. And you know, the overarching theme is that this corruption, uh, this criminal element is everywhere, right? And not right. in a not in a guard your children thing, but in this is a state of the world. Right. And yeah, I don't think it's reading too much to read this in much the same way as we read those Rossi movies to say that this is an aspect of capitalism. Right. Or yeah, for sure. Or, totally. you know, a, a conversation more recent with the friends of Eddie Coyle. We talked about how right, right, right. organized crime is itself an alienating uh right. capitalistic enterprise, right? <laughs> you know? And these are these are the kids particularly, but everyone in here is alienated from from the uh from not only alienated not only from the fruits of the labor that they are actually performing, but from the fruits from the ability to even have meaningful work to do. Right. right. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're alienated in in a in in. I mean, they're alienated certainly in sort of the capital in sort of the uh, sort of uh, economic sense, and yeah, they're they're they are hyper removed from you know what they do, what they make, and all this stuff, right? But they are also you know in the more social sense, right? Like, right. It's impossible to maintain normal relationships of any meaningful quality. Right. Right. And like and then this thing, much, much like all much like many capitalist enterprises, this thing begins to dominate and decide what personal relationships they are or are not able to engage in. Right. Right. It suddenly this thing that is that is um, fundamentally meant to be, you know, is fundamentally not meant to be, but fundamentally is a, a way to live becomes a way to di- that dictates the way you live. Right. Right. Which is, right. you know, always a problem and, in in capitalism, anyway. But is especially noticeable in sort of the illicit areas of capitalism because they have even more, to a certain extent, have even more ability to uh, dictate what right. you do and do not do. Right. And whereas, whereas with Hands Over the City, we saw a very particular aspect of that corruption, of it. Uh, of it being within, you know, the the construction industry and the approval process of the construction industry so that uh, housing for poor people was being built that literally would fall apart. Right. Uh, disastrously fall apart. Like facades of buildings falling off. Right. right. Uh, <clears throat> just collapsing under their own weight. Uh, whereas here, I, I mean, really to to the broadest sense of what's going on, the most... Uh, the most detrimental sense is is Franco and Roberto's story, where right. they're yeah. literally poisoning the ground, right, they're poisoning right. the food supply. Well, and, and, right? and what it for does for the sake is, of for the sake of a little capitalistic gain, right? What and what they're doing is, in many ways, at least as far as I'm concerned, is is covering. They're trying to kind of cover cover the gambit of harm, in right. the sense that like there's the Specific individual harm. Maria gets shot. Like they shoot Maria. Right. They just shoot this dude's mom. It's yeah. 
it's and and you're supposed to and we identify that one more than some of the other ones because it you know the way we value things in society and stuff where this is just well, yeah. somebody's mom that's, right this is just a mom I, and that's supposed to that feels more yeah like intense watching watching the bonus episode with the author uh it becomes clear that and and he he helped on the screenplay uh, there was a small army of of screenwriters right, working on this course. including the director as well um but but it becomes clear in hearing him talk about some of the other stories that are in the book and the other things going on that uh garone really picked picked indicative stuff right for his stories. right right yeah like, that makes sense like maria yeah. gets killed because her her husband is loyal but their 13 year old boy isn't right uh well, and she gets caught up in the fact that she doesn't even necessarily die because of that. She gets caught up in the fact that, like, now it's this is an escalating <laughs> right, right situation right. of like violence begets violence, right? And so now, yeah. like, they've done, and so they pick like somebody within their reach that they can right. do violence to, right? Like, it doesn't even matter that she isn't actually relevant in the sense that she isn't chosen because it will have a profound impact or she's the reason why things are happening. She's chosen because she right. is a representative of this thing that they want to do violence on and is much more reachable than anybody right. else. And the thing is, is you get into the, all this weird stuff, right? Like they, it's actually, when you start to process this stuff out, like it feels very real, but like think about like they use Toto to do it. They didn't need to. Like right. they're like, oh well, you can get this in, and it's like, all she does for him is open the door. Like, right. it's just a door. Y'all are like giant ass men. Like, <laughs> right. fucking break right. a door right. down. Like, they only because part of this violence is co-opting him and ensuring that the everybody involved, everybody is complicit in the violence rather than making right. it like, right. well, we right. did this and then he wasn't involved. No, he needs to be involved because he's part of this. Like. There's this sort of need to make the violence inclusive to all parties yeah. because it Saviano, the violence itself becomes a unifying thing. Right. Saviano also talks about uh, one of the one of the secessionists' uh, stepfather had his legs, arms, and neck broken Jesus. by by the body um, by the main the main group. Uh, <clears throat> one of. Uh, <laughs> He talks about this to to complain about the way media frames things sometimes, which is very interesting too. Uh, Saviano brings up, uh, I think, four teenage boys were killed in their car, and the media said, uh, you know, framed it as, isn't it just so sad that these perfect angels of boys were secretly involved with the the criminal element, uh, when in fact what had happened was these kids accidentally parked their car outside of a capo's house and the other side thought that they were the capo's new bodyguards oh jeez uh <clears throat> at least according to uh right yeah according to his his version of the events saviano's version of the events but you know we get another thing saviano's talks about that we we get indicative in the movie through the story of of marco and sweet pea is uh, that a lot of the 
a lot of the teens who got involved weren't in it for the money, weren't in it for the long haul, certainly weren't in it because they wanted to kill people. They were in it because it was cool and would get them girls. Well, that's that's the thing, uh, right? Like that, but that's always part of the thing, right? Is it like, you know, when you watch other movies about gangsters right, and right, stuff like right, that, right. there's always a certain amount of appeal to the younger members of it that like the but like keep in mind that that's all okay boy let's take one step back and what we start to talk about is the fact that like that's about power too right like it's all about right 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 and when you feel powerless there's a desire to find a place where you can have power right and like get looking cool and getting girls that's all a function of the same thing it's all the same animal with different skin on it's all it's all young men who know that their life feels powerless finding avenues to have power and like getting girls and looking cool is a form of having power right that's what they see that the men the the other young men in this organization have the power to get the things that they want and 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 do not seem to be powerless now mind you because it is a capitalist enterprise they are in fact powerless they are right, they right, are right. they are willingly engaged they are not they are engaged in this power a different and a dynamic of powerlessness too right right it's just that like in all things there are hierarchies and so they are more they are powerless but also above these other young men who are not in the gang in terms of hierarchy without actually having any more real power right right um, right and the we see thing of- oh go ahead sorry it's just the interesting thing with them for me with that particular story is that they're not even doing it to like fit in or anything. They're just like these, they really are these agents of chaos to what they're doing and they're acting more out of boredom usually than out of anything else. Well, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I and obviously yeah. this desire to emulate Scarface and interestingly enough, right. the, the, the scene where they're in like the abandoned house, reenacting Scarface and yelling back and forth, I'm Tony Montana. No, I'm Tony Montana. Uh, takes place in the house of a guy named uh, Walter... Uh, oh, goodness, I just lost it. Walter Schiavone, or Schiavone. And Schiavone was a, a capo who had gone to prison, but he himself was so obsessed with Scarface yeah. that that house was built to be a replica of Right, yeah, I was kind of picking up on that. The I was Scarface like, house. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, like, I've, seen, I've seen these things. You before. can really tell in like the bathroom. The bathroom is the, <laughs> um, is the giveaway, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah the bathroom yeah. is the, the day giveaway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but that's the thing, right, is that like, yeah, see, that's, it's, it gets very complicated, right? Because like, it, it there is this, this sort of dynamic of power that yeah they don't it's not to fit in but at the same time like scarface's power is based on money and violence right, right? like all this so is it's, it's just, all power it's just the slight removal of it right if they're right. being cool to be like scarface then they're being cool in the pursuit of money and power right and and um, and, then, and we can and those kind of two understand. things are inseparable Right, and we and we come down to the fact that money is just sort of an an, an analogous for power, right? Like money represents right. your ability to enact your will upon the world around you, right? Right, right. And and so, like, what these 
young men are trying to do is enter into a system where they at least have some agency over the world around them. They don't have agency over what they do, but they have some agency over the way they can interact with the world, which they don't have without it, right? Because, like, right. they are, we can see, like, what their life, like, we can see hints of what their lives are like without that, right? They're, right. as far as you can tell, this is a, a sort of a dead community. There's no, there seems to be yeah. no real business taking, like, there's no, like, they're not going right. to, we actually, we see it because the tailor eventually goes and gets a reg, a job that he is not removed from the situation, guaranteed, but at least is a changing career that, like, removes him from being in a position right. where he's going to be the target. And now he's a truck driver. Like, yeah. you can see that, like, the options aren't broad. There's not a... a it's yeah. And that's true in almost any society, honestly, at this point, in which capitalism as a whole, right? We hear options of what you can do to live are hyper-limited, and, right? <laughs> like, and Pascale... Pascale, you know, the way that ends with him seeing the dress he designed being worn by Scarlett Johansson and then he drives the truck. We don't really get any context about why he's driving the truck. Who are the only other truck drivers we've seen in this movie? Right. Is he now driving for Franco? Is that a thing? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I mean, it it is safe to assume in the environment of this film that the trucking industry is also completely controlled by certainly they're mob. Certainly there are there are other truckers implicated <laughs> to exist right, yeah. by by nature of this being a semi-functional society. Right. But but the only truckers we actually see happening are are Franco's truck drivers. Uh, that's not to suggest that Pascale is definitely that's what the movie's trying right, to say. Right. But well, but yeah. what I think that what we're trying to get across here is the idea that like by to a certain extent, Pascale had reached a point in his existence where he was no longer beyond notice right where him taking a job to go like teach some chinese factory workers how to produce this thing in that like creates an environment where he where violence will be done upon him right and and that is partially because he is too important to the function of this shitty system for them to allow him to do that whereas if he goes far enough back down the 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 rungs of this society he could basically be beyond notice right like as just another truck driver even if he is still working for the same shitty system he's he's now like no longer really a target for violence because he has no special ability or capabilities that they would bother to try to regulate or control right it's not 100 percent. it doesn't make him immune to violence certainly right because We know that, like, they will do violence on anybody. Again, we use we have people like Maria as an example of that. They yeah. will just do violence to what are essentially just bystanders. Bystanders, but, like... Right. The and, the, point, and another aspect yeah. of the insidiousness of of this whole situation, you know, the, 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 the lack of escape, is the fact that Don Ciro is some guy who shouldn't ever have the position of power he has to begin with, right? Right, yeah. Because he's just like, how how, how did he land as the money man here? This guy who is just so timid and will sell anyone out at the drop of a hat. Right, right. Uh, well, I mean, and because it's like, it's a, that's the thing, right? Is that like the system will like, as with all of these sorts of systems, will use anybody at any time for anything right. that it thinks it can profit off of, right? And his job right. is a in an environment where 
there's no civil war. His job is a relatively it's like the kind of right. job you throw to an old retired guy that like doesn't you're like, okay, well here go you're gonna get paid to go do this thing that needs to be done but doesn't require a great deal of any sort of Right. It's right, it's right. like it's walking around. It's like, hey yeah. it's the it's sort of Walmart greeter kind of Right. And it's like and hey, it really here's is a that nice because... little thing where you yeah. In theory, in an environment that's not a nightmare, that's a nice little thing to do with your time. Yeah, yeah, but but the money he's actually delivering is the pension money. Is right, the I money know. to yeah. to the the wives and and kids of the uh, the people who've gone to prison because of the organization. Yes. So it really it really is like he's you know in a functional economy he's the guy uh, running the the welfare office right right and and that's the thing right is that like we can see that like the functions of proper like of real society have been completely assumed by this one right like yeah and and like you only need to have that because the entire system is fucked up to the point where like this is a thing that happens right right right, but like yeah he's just he's essentially he is essentially the this mafia's equivalent of a bureaucrat Right. He's a, right. He is a person who needs to do a very straightforward job that must be done. Right. And then everybody's going to bitch at him about <laughs> like right. all the time because like he's the forward face of a thing that like yeah, he doesn't have uh any power, really. He has right. no power. This right. is not a powerful person. Uh but like he is also the forward face, so like he ends up interacting with everybody like there's that old time that that guy that old time gang uh mafia guy who's like complaining about how much he's getting paid and then there's like it's like all this stuff it's like this is you know but that he's the one they're gonna talk to it's like it's like our it's like yelling at the person at the social security office like yeah he doesn't make any decisions right Right. And, then, and, and, is, and shooting him is like trying to like you know shoot at him and stuff is the same thing, right? It's like what like yeah. he doesn't make any choices. But he is he is the guy who you see who feels like he might have power, right? Right. He's seen, that he, he is yeah. well. He carries around the 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 functional analysis analogy for power, right? right he carries right, right. around a big wad of power in his pocket. Yeah. Which makes him seem very powerful. He is, in fact, just kind of a dweeb, who right, like right, who right. Presu- who presumably is just trying to work it out until his retirement. Is right. is kind of just working it out until they start bringing him money in his apartment. Right. Like you know what right. I mean? Like it's like I'm gonna put in the rest of my time until somebody starts delivering cash to me. Yeah. Instead of the other way around. Uh, does not seem like he's going to be successful at that. Seems like he is going to get killed. He does not get killed before the end of the movie, but like right. I don't see, I don't have high hopes that uh, he's going to make it all the way to the end of this movie. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, his ability to... Uh... I mean, he's pretty good at like kind of like... Um, it's really good Avoiding... at delivering other people to be killed. Uh, well, is... yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to t- that even that's a little bit fishy and hard to tell, right? Like, right. He never seems to be successful in any of his plans. Like, 
what I mean is That's like fair. he goes to try to sell them out and they basically tell him to fuck off because they don't yeah. need his help anymore. The, the days of that are over, right? Yeah. They don't need him. And they show up where he is, but I don't. he doesn't seem to do anything to let them in or help them. So it's my suspicion that they just basically followed him without Right. Because Right, but then but then they do pay him off. They leave some money for him after they kill everybody. I mean but him, right? So, right, that's true. I don't know. I, I I found that scene a little hard to read and exactly right. figure out what was going on because I don't I can't honestly figure out anything he did that was of any value or help. Right, right. And so um, I think they just paid him off because like I didn't even actually I identify that they paid him off. Like I couldn't tell from the yeah, video. They leave that some that money happened. for him, I think. Uh one of the deleted scenes actually that I that I really feel that's just just that I definitely understand why it got deleted, uh, is Don Ciro leaving the pickup point yeah. and just walking by more dead bodies. That's just, oh, right, it is right, just, yeah. it is an extension of him walking by dead bodies until he's outside. Yeah, I mean, but uh, I, I get so. it though at the same time, right? Because it's like, you kind of like, if your goal is to, if your goal is to get across the sort of point that we've talked about with Scorsese films in this genre. Right, 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 right. It's, right. it's a hard to know where to draw that line about like, how much death do I need to show you? Right. How much really gruesome, fucked up death do I need to show you? Right. To make sure that you get it, and the answer is infinite. Yeah, because there is no we as we've talked about. There is no, there is no movie just like with war movies. There is no movie you can make that is that that is the perfect bullet to like fix what's wrong with human beings like this. You know what I mean? Like you're never going. You there is no there is no universe where you create something. For example, violent enough to 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 make that make it a universally like recognizable commentary that everybody is going to watch and say, "Oh boy, we should not get involved with that." You know what I mean? Like, it's impossible. It just is. Um, yeah. And I mean, listen. Yeah. Tony dies at the end of Scarface. Yeah. No. Like- and then they're all talking about how how and and and. I have, in honest, in all honesty, I've, in my own life, I have never met a fan of Scarface who is not right, that right. thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who will not, at the drop of a hat, eventually quote Scarface to you and do a bad Tony <laughs> Soprano impersonation. Like, or not Tony Soprano, what's, a, what's his name? Tony Montana. Tony but Montana, yes. yeah. Like, I watched it. I was not for me. Um, I actually like crime dramas quite a bit. I enjoy yeah. a lot of them. That is not one of them. That movie is not for me. Um, <laughs> for various reasons. Um, I like a certain sort of style and, and, and way of approach to it. Like, I'm a very big fan of, like, 70s crime dramas that have that sort of right, right, that right. 70s feel. Uh, but, like, nonetheless, my point is that, like, um, you can't make it. It's impossible. We know it's impossible. You and I have talked about the fact that it's impossible. But, like, right. if you're if you're create if you're, like, a creator of these kinds of things we get into it becomes the opposite problem it's like well i know what i want the audience to get from this how do i and you and it's just this pursuit of this sort of intangible impossible goal right which is make the audience actually 
recognize what you're trying to tell them. And as yeah. as we've identified, that is actually impossible. One thing that did happen in the wake of this movie is yeah. that a number of people who are in this movie got arrested. Oh, well, um, okay. Uh, because they were they were filming in the actual locations that the stories would take place. And in fact, the uh, one of the bonus features is with, uh, they talked to the director, they talked to uh, specifically uh, Tony Servillo, who plays uh, Franco, gets his own. And then there's another bonus feature that is talking to him and a couple of the other actors who were professional actors. But they also talk about the non-professional actors and, and how many of the, the thugs in this movie are, you know, not playing very different versions of themselves. Right. So one of the bosses, uh, uh, Giovanni Venosa is who plays him. Uh, but he's the, I think if I remember correctly, he's the guy who yells at the, at the teens, at, at those two for, uh, robbing the, the African immigrant, uh, drug house. Right. Um, and he's also instrumental in their demise yes. at the end of the movie. Uh, he really wanted to use this movie to break into acting. One, uh, he is described as like the only, the only legitimately good actor from among the non-actors who end up in the movie because yeah. he was because he, it was a passion of his. But he's also described as someone who wanted to use this movie uh, to make a name for his clan. Right. Uh, you know, to get that power of being the Tony Montana of right, of, yeah, 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 of Gamora, right? Um, not that that's what his character really is, but you know, he wants to, he wants that prestige. Uh, so right. <laughs> he. Uh, was arrested in the direct wake of this movie, maybe even before it came out. Uh, he was arrested for drug trafficking and extortion in 2008, sentenced in 2009 to 13 years. Uh, so he might, assuming he served the entire sentence, uh, he would be getting out this year. Right. Um, Which he probably didn't, but like, I don't know. Yeah, he probably didn't actually serve the entire sentence. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I haven't, what I haven't done a deep dive on any of these like, guys. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's out. Uh, maybe he's dead. Uh, there are a lot of possibilities here, actually. Yeah, there are. Some of the other people uh, also went to prison in 2008. Some of them went to prison since. Uh, the most recent one, uh, the kid who played Toto, uh, yeah. was arrested for dealing, um, drug dealing in 2021. Uh, and he's the the most the most recent arrestee out of the people who are in this movie. Um so yeah, it's you know there's a lot. They're dealing with real people. They're dealing in the real places. The director talks about how when they first started shooting, uh, in the the world's largest open air drug market. Yeah. Um, that they had everyone with the movie wear a lanyard, so that uh the actual capos and 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 dealers around would know that they were from the movie and not cops trying to infiltrate the, the, right, right. the thing. Uh, and he says, he says that, you know, after they shot a scene, some of these guys would come over and look at the replay and, and critique them on whether or not it was a realistic portrayal of a drug deal. Jeez. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's, 
there's that power of of having the knowledge too right you know where where on the one hand there are stories like that but on the other hand uh uh roberto saviano after the book came out spent two years with a with a bodyguard or a police escort everywhere he went right yeah uh into you know the beginning of production of the movie right uh, right he's showing up to the early script meetings with with well security. i feel like that's the thing whenever you read about these kinds of like whenever you read about these kinds of things right that's always part and parcel of it is this sort of like well like i don't know like whenever you watch a documentary or something about how the making of like one of these crime dramas that's like used real people or like talked about real people or something like that it's like a lot of times the organization itself is 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 complicit in the making of the thing but then also reacts violently to the making of it because these organizations are kind of fundamentally at their heart somewhat not they don't they're not all perfectly aligned with each other in sort of purpose and goal right like everybody involved right. is not so like Oh, like, you know, this movie got made and it got made with the permission of this person. But then like a bunch of other people who also were like tangentially involved want to kill the person who made the movie. It's like that's always part of the story. And it's kind of a it just always is. And it's that's that itself is kind of crazy, you know. Um, But like whenever you like with like American Mafia, like movies about American Mafia that work this way, it's often the case afterwards that like someone involved is like now fears for their life because like they right 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 right. even though like it was made with at least presumably with basically permission suddenly now it's like yeah yeah, well there is there is one guy uh who's not in the movie uh that uh alleges that garone paid twenty thousand euros to the organization to allow them to film. Um, and that at least one casting, Bernardino uh, Terracciano, who plays uh, Tio Bernardino, is one of the guys who also kills uh, Sweet Pea and Marco at the end. Um that his his casting in the movie was also part of that deal right um but that's uh that's an allegation um, right right whereas you know we do have the documented connections of the fact that yeah you know, and, and that's four of the, the people who are in this movie went to prison right so, like it's like, you know. like we don't even need that stuff because like right. it wouldn't matter if that is the case you know what i mean it's right, like right, okay right. but like also yeah sort of like also so <laughs> like yeah okay uh, i mean if i were in his position and they're lit- wanting to film in the real locations i would pay uh, the money too yeah even if to even if the be point yeah. even if the point of my movie was ultimately to take down this organization which is obviously not the point because if no if any, yeah any of what we've read about this organization is true it is so embedded 
right, in Italian right, yeah, politics yeah, yeah. and governance that it couldn't be it couldn't be taken. Yeah, a out, movie couldn't right? do that. No, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, right. So it, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Is that paying like, them you, some money so that you can film the location where you want to film? Sometimes right, that's a uh, cost of doing business. Right. Know? Absolutely. I mean, you would. I mean, honestly, like in the end, like you would pay. You pay city governments and shit all the time for yeah. like. I mean, what's you're talking what's about? What al- is essentially, in many ways, at least a ta- like a a shadow government at the very least. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. What's 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 his alternative? Pay uh, a competing organization fifty thousand euro to protect them during that. Shooting? Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. No. You know. And like you know, he pays it, and and you know, they obviously. If they like Scarface, which people do, like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not like he, even if, even if your goal uh, is to take down these organizations, which is not, again, it's not like, even if your goal is to maybe like highlight very, the negative elements of this. Right. And certainly that is a goal. Right. Absolutely. But like, is that organization as a whole, does it care? Right? Is this an organization that needs to care about having a good image? Clearly not. If they are murdering right. children, right? They are not an organization hyper concerned with appearances. Clearly, yeah. that's just obvious. Like we see that, like some elements within this movie talk about keeping up appearances, but for the most part, this is clearly an organization that is moved. That feels it has enough power that it can express that it doesn't actually have to be concerned about what people think about them. Right. Um. You know, right? It, they're they're not operating at that level anymore. They don't need even the tacit approval of the people anymore, right? Like like many governments, they've moved beyond the need for actual yeah. approval from the people right. the, whom they govern, right? Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit, just because we didn't, I don't, I we did a, touch on it a little bit, but not quite as much as I would like. Yeah, is. The movie once we we kind of started down this path, we didn't kind of finish. Is the movie wants to highlight? There's a sort of spectrum of violence, right? There's there's these right. individual killings. There's uh and they and they range in in how much those people are actually involved in anything. They want to he wants to kind of cover both the broadness and the depth of the violence at the same time, yeah. right? So like we, th- we Pascale represents a broadness, right? Like violence creeps into his life, which. For Pascal, probably most of his adult life, he's never had to think about how his existence is or is not connected to this right. organization, right? Like it I mean, is. P- Pascal's the Pascale is the uh, most straightforward worker too, right? right? That's what I you mean. Know, it's, it's like his it's li- specialized labor, but he's not like designing these dresses. No, he's, he's just a worker. He's the tailor making these. Dresses, I mean, he's the head, he's, he's like the foreman, right? Yeah, he's, and he's, he's in charge, right? But he has agreed to train others Other in workers. his art, right, right? Right? Absolutely. That's and you that's know? what I'm talking about when I talk about for, broadness for, in this sense for that. money, certainly. But right, still, right. And, uh, and, he is he is not involved enough with this organization that he feels threatened by more people being able to do the same right. thing he can and do. He, right? And that is why we see like it, it, that whole section is really engaging, partially because. We see him go through like, I need to get in the trunk. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. he doesn't understand what those the people he's doing business with do understand, which is that the that this organization 
is embedded in the fashion industry in which he works and will do anything to keep its market cornered, right? Right. We, we right. see like welcome welcome to true like uh true laissez faire business, right? Like <laughs> right, like right. they will do anything to keep their market cornered, right? I mean they will like obviously in reality they will eventually fail, right? If enough bodies are thrown at this, they will just fail, right? You cannot they can't do it forever, right? But but the but like they this is how they but he's never had to think about that, right? Because he right. doesn't recognize himself as being necessarily important cog in this machine. Yeah. But they do. But right? also his his duties are insulated enough. Like he Right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't he, doubt and I don't think the movie's trying to suggest that he doesn't know who he ultimately works for. No, that's not what I mean. As what I mean is but. that like he doesn't yeah, absolutely. He definitely does maybe but it's like it's the way that you and I recognize that you and I both technically work for the United States military. <laughs> I guess, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's we're probably a little bit more removed. He's a little bit less removed than that. But, like, he's four layers deep on this shit at the very yeah. least, right? He, and 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 it's, and it's only, like, it's only sort of, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's It's, he doesn't, he works for them in the way that, like, you know, I you know I work for the United States military, or I work for like fucking Citibank organization. You know what I mean? Like so and so lent money to so and so, lent so money to so and so, lent money to so and so, who right. runs the thing that I work at. You know what I mean? In theory, I probably work for like the IMF or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, like, but what what I mean is it's super. Re- it's it's fairly far removed, right? Like he probably in the right. back of his head knows, but he's probably never had to deal with it. Or at least not since he was a kid, right? Maybe when he was a kid, he was in a position where he could, you know, because they talk about him bringing, you know, the other guy bringing him off the street and shit like that. Right, right, it, right, it, right. It may right. be at the time he was aware of, like, that connection, but he's probably, been, he's been doing this for 20 years. And all he's been doing is running a factory where they tailor dresses. Or, you know, that's it. Right. And so he, it's hard for him to recognize that. And then that violent, and that goes to the sort of the broadness of the violence, right? Is that, like, it is... It extends into the lives of people who barely recognize that this organization has any influence on their lives or to people even possibly who don't have any. Right. Like, you know, we're not that far away from with him. You're only one step more step removed from like and they don't go quite this far. We're like people who are even more tangentially related can can be involved. Um, But to get into the depth of it. The movie also wants to talk about, like, we talk about, like, individual violence to, like, individual people. But, like, right. the movie bring the reason why Roberto and what's his face? Fra- what's the what's the actual name? Franco. Yeah, Franco. Are yeah. in this is to point, very clearly are in this, not just to point out the complicity of the government and things like that in this. And, like, they they have all their legal paperwork for what they're doing and stuff. But well. Well, I mean, they have the paperwork, (laughs) but yes, if you have all the paperwork officially stamped by the government, it is you are you are legal. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, just because you didn't actually do any of the things that are on the form, they are operating air quotes legally. You know what I mean? Um, My point is, is that uh, they they're in this movie partially to point out that stuff, the, the sort of interwovenness of the government and all this stuff, but also to point out that, like, they're the most extremely violent people in this movie, actually. 
Franco is the is, and and the movie has trouble conveying that because the movies like this always do. The individual killings with guns are hyper violent, and we see it. It's very violent. Right. But Franco is the most dangerous person in this movie. Yeah. Franco by a, by a Franco, huge margin, like an, yeah, a twenty percent uptick in cancer deaths is enormous. Yeah, it's tens of Franco, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Right. Um, yeah, Franco is 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 clearly the murdering worst people the for movie. generations. Yes, is absolutely. What Franco's doing right. and 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 is doing it in such a way that that like you know that like I mean beyond that there's this it's so much because like well, it's he's it's he's, even more deeply insidious than that though because uh, you know the one of the most comedic film scenes in this movie. Uh, Darkly and and dryly comedic, but comedic nonetheless, are when uh, Roberto and Franco walk out of that shipping container at the docks. Yes, in in full hazmat gear, and the paperwork says that that shipping container that they apparently have traveled aid in supplies or something like is, that. Yeah. is humanitarian aid. Yeah, and that also means that whatever whatever organization sent humanitarian aid uh is a <coughs> yeah yeah it's, it's an entire it's, load of humanitarian aid that actually didn't get sent right right absolutely so, and 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 that's humanitarian aid on all the paperwork which means right. some organization quote unquote did a good thing and mailed off humanitarian aid <laughs> probably right. took a tax credit on it oh yeah definitely and a bunch of other shit like that and mailed Waste so toxic that even these two assholes wore toxic waste suits. <laughs> right now, I mean, I, that scene, that scene was very good, and also one of the more confusing scenes in the movie, just because they don't give you. It takes a very long time to get to the point where you actually understand what's going on, and there's no set, right, right, there's no right, lead up right, right. or lead out to it. And I find that a bit of a problem in that scene specifically. It's very good. I think scene, that's fair. Yeah, but like, it needs some sort of setup. You need to see him making that deal or something. So that you as an audience can go, oh, this is connected to that thing that they did earlier. Because right now that scene is sort of apropos of nothing. It's sort of free floats. It's right, very good. Right, right. But it is still very on its own. Um, and I think it could use some more connection to the rest of what's going on. That being said, again, great scene. Uh, very, very darkly funny. Like very... Deeply funny in the most horrifying way possible, um, but yeah, it, it you know he's doing damage on a very broad scale to many many people um, with with aid of the government and these other land developers, and then also he's you know because all this shit is illegal and all the paperwork has different information on it than what is actually true, it also means that this shit is there presumably forever and yeah. people will not know why they are dying because yeah. that toxic waste isn't supposed to be there that humanitarian aid no one knows where that is now when he when right. when franco dies yeah that information well, presumably dies with him which means Frank somebody lives on top of a waste dump that will never know they lived on top of a waste dump like and Franco, Franco, Franco is also, you know, the purest, the purest essence of capitalism with the right. Movie yes, too, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Well, he um, bridges that connection. He forms the connection right, that helps right. us as an audience understand 
that this is all part of the same system. Right. That that these and, gangsters are not aberrations in the system, but are rather right. a functional part of the way this system fun- works. Right. And, you know, we see him actively lying, uh, but it's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge lie. Oh, absolutely. What yeah, he's yeah. getting. And then there's and then there's the aspect of the farm where where Robert where Roberto finally is pushed over the line. Yeah. Right. Is that conversation with that family of farmers who that dad is obviously dying because of what Franco's done. Absolutely. Right. A hundred percent. And the whole family together is arguing percentage points for like over for Franco his dying to bring, body. Yeah. Over his dying, including him. Yeah, no, no, yeah, he's part of it too, yeah. To bring in more money from Franco, who they know what he's, he's they know him, what yeah. he's doing. Maybe Grandma doesn't know what he's doing. Well, but they know I mean, what he's Grandma's doing. Grandma's not exactly <laughs> all there. Right. Uh, it doesn't and, seem and, like it, right? And who knows? Grandma not being all there could very well be related to this too. <laughs> right, 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 right. Also part of the problem, you know? So, yeah, right. He's poisoning the food supply, uh, but he's in a position where these people have to, have to make money from him poisoning them. It is the only way they can make money is to pay someone to poison them. Right. Uh, Well, right. And and as a pure distillation of capitalism, (laughs) there we go. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. And, And... and I think that this is this this movie has trouble with it, the same way that almost every movie gangster movie that right. is interested right, right, in engaging right, right, right. with this topic does. It is very hard to show that. It's very hard to talk about that, not because the subject is difficult or something, but because making people understand that these are the same system, right, is very difficult because we are taught from childhood that one system is working in is making it is making a valiant effort to stop the other. And right. it's just not the case. They are the yeah. same thing. Which of course is another another way this movie lives in the tradition of of Rossi's films is that Rossi was was pretty dang clear about that connection too, right? Right, right, absolutely. And this one is uh, this one is doing as good of a job of it as you can. <laughs> right. The problem is is that you've we've spent a lot of time and energy training a huge swath of population to not be able to see that. It is it is it is necessary to the function of the system that a majority of people not be able to identify that element of it. And so and that requires a lot of training, a lot of effort. And right. then a movie maker knowing that and trying to talk about that faces the same problem that anybody who tries to work in direct uh conflict with the things that people have been taught since childhood, it's it's just it's difficult, right? You just most people, a lot, a high percentage of people are not going to take that away from it, even no matter how hard you try. And he's trying very, very hard here, <laughs> and it's being as successful as you can be, right? Like he's yeah. successfully yeah. making that connection very clear. Many people will not watch it and see that connection, right? They will still, right. they will be asking themselves the question, well, why isn't the government, or, well, they may not ask about the government because most people at this point have reached, a, a high percentage of people have reached the point where they understand that the government does not actually work in their best interest. But they will yeah. ask questions like, why aren't the police doing anything, which is hilarious to like, 
to 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 ask questions about A, but then or you know about know this thing about A, but then refuse to accept it about B, and under wonder why B is not doing anything to help, right, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like whenever you read in the news that the police are quote unquote outgunned. <laughs> Like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We don't read that quite as much anymore because apparently news editors at some point realized that that was just not going to be a going sell point anymore, that uh, you're not going to convince anybody that the police are outgunned at this point. But uh, Wow. Well, I also didn't find any references to the world's largest open-air drug market after 2016, so maybe that's been on its way I think that's also – I think that's well because (laughs) – because I would I would argue that that's because that's probably around the time where it became generally accepted that that either you you that the war on drugs is for all intents and purposes <laughs> over. Yeah. Because and drugs won. <laughs> and um. drugs won. But the thing is is it's like but it's even it's even more ridiculous than that because it's the war on drugs people realize that that but also that the war on drugs was just this nightmarish racist like yeah 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 i don't know like just entire network of justification right like um is uh 100%. so it's not even just you know whenever somebody whenever i see that on twitter it's like well the drugs one it's like but like i always feel a little bit weird about that because it's like well I, but we know that like there was no war on drugs there was <laughs> there was a war on minority communities yeah and 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 there still is. It's just like, oh well, we don't, we don't need the, we don't need the drug thing anymore because we can just do it openly without any, without any sort of, uh, you know, cause or justification. Right. It's a nightmare. It's what I'm saying. Uh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I'm tired. Yeah. Uh. Well, you know, you should be. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to talk about hard things anymore, Adam. I want to go lay down. Uh. Well, to. Uh, to swing this uh, in my my personal, and you know, you don't need to agree with this, certainly. Okay. But personally, I like to tinge my anti-capitalism with references to uh, the Bible. Uh, I I know so, you do. <laughs> uh, it's just how I was raised, uh, accidentally, but still how I was raised. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they regret it now. So the the title of this is Gomorrah, which is a reference to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, which I mentioned right. at the top of the show. Uh, Even I picked and, up on that. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, Sodom has entered into now, thankfully, mostly archaic English uh, for a certain theological interpretation of what the problems of Sodom and Gomorrah were. It's where we get the, the word Sodomite. And right. Yes. Its use, but Ezekiel, one of one of the the books of prophecy in the Hebrew Scripture, uh, in chapter sixteen, uh, well, that's, this is this is the uh, the Christian numbering of that book. I can't actually say if this is since I already referred it to it as the Hebrew Scripture. Talking about uh, number references may uh, may throw some people, uh, but this is the NIV translation: the sin of your sister Sodom. Uh, was that she was arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They didn't help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things. Uh, 
So yeah, just a, a, a real clear thing that the problem with Gamora was not that it was some sort of nebulously evil, certainly not that it was gay or something. Uh, right. But but that it wasn't actually taking care of uh, the poor. It wasn't caring for people. It wasn't uh, using its resources in a way that uh, built justice. Uh, and, you know, whatever this movie means by calling it Gamora, obviously it's also just a pun, right? Because of the... the yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's what... The like, audible... I I would argue that that's the weakest homophonic. part of the entire movie right. is the decision to name this movie that. Probably, but it's also inheriting it from the book. So whatever right. whatever sly little right, thing right, right. the author thought he was doing, uh, the movie inherits. Uh, but you know, this is also you know if uh, to take Ezekiel's interpretation of what the problems in Gomorrah were, this is this movie is pretty in line with with what it's saying. You know, this is right. this is an entire situation where people aren't being taken care of and how they are being left to fend for themselves is uh pretty disastrous right and the people in charge are just profiting off of that right profiting off that disaster uh yeah so the name fits for me i guess is what i'm saying even if it is kind of uh just a silly wordplay yeah i mean it, uh, it, you know i i just i don't know i don't I, I don't know how i don't know how deeply uh Saviano was, was thinking about the wordplay when he named the well book. i mean i think but, you know yeah who knows we'll never know the answer to that it does feel like yeah. kind of i mean if it works out it is simply because this is the sort of the the original sin of like of of <laughs> these kind of these sort of organizations right of um yeah society like city states and all those sort of things of this like abandoning those in need to fend for themselves while also like ripping what little profit for you can from them at any at any turn right is the sort of is the is the is a pretty old thing right and uh i think that might just be it might just be a coincidence that it all sort of works out a little bit deeper because oh. my guess is like, oh, this was an evil place, and look at this evil place that I wrote a book about. Well, he he didn't write this until 2020, but on the on the title, he has written, we forget what Gamora really is. Gamora is not a mere synonym with Gamora. Gamora is an economic system wherein everything is missing, where there are no investments, no opportunities, no education, no jobs, no resources, no businesses. Um, Seems like he's pretty insightful about it then. Uh, you know, also maybe offering kind of a neoliberal solution, but well, but yeah. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I, probably. I mean, the, yeah. oh, man, like, have you have you have you noticed the world we live in? Like, that's that's just the way it works, basically. In terms of yeah. like, the solutions are always like, well, if there were just more jobs. Yeah. The title, the title comes from a text written by a Giuseppe Diana, who was a parish priest. Uh, killed by the Gamora in March of 94, writing, the time has come to stop being a Gamora. So he, he probably So presumably the priest that. is a little bit, maybe a little right, even right. more <laughs> sort of in tune with what he's actually trying to say there. Right, um, right, 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 right. So, um, and apparently Saviano personally knew uh, 
Father Diana. So who knows? <clears throat> he dedicates a chapter of the book to him. Uh, but yeah. So, you know, uh, through, I guess if, if we back up enough, uh, my my little uh, aside <laughs> that led us to this conversation is maybe an accurate reflection of where the title ultimately comes from. Yeah, in, in a very, in a sort of roundabout way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gamora is is a fantastic movie. It's it really it's love. really is. I, it's, I mean, it's, it's love is deserved. It it does deserve to be on the top ten list of every single writer at the Austin Chronicle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That. I mean, beyond that being a kind of just a funny thing, like it's. I mean, it does a. It is a very good version of what it is. Right. right. It, it right, has right. the flaws inherent to the thing that it is, but that is not its fault. <laughs> like it is a very it is a very good one of those, you know. Right. Um, and I and I and I and I despite the problems inherent to those things, I do really enjoy them. And I really like this one. I thought this was very, very good. Um, yeah. Well, one question before we finish this out. Yes. Because maybe I did miss it. Uh was there an in-movie des- justification for for Marco and Sweet Pea being in their underwear when they fire the guns at the sound? Uh, no, there was not. Um, <laughs> I. But here's the thing. Here's where I'm going to go with this. Um, this is just a thing. I I think it might be like Listen, a Scarfacey kind of thing. Like is the it? number of times in a movie like, like this where I've seen people strip down into their underwear to shoot guns. Yeah, is more I mean, than than you would there's think. the there's certainly the psychosexual element. Yeah, of, absolutely. Of, and, of and firing think, guns, and then right? I think especially in young people, <laughs> yeah, like these two, like that's more more surf like that's more surface level. It's more ingrained in them. You know, does that make sense? I don't know how to describe what I'm trying yeah. to say. Like, as you get older, you get people get more complicated about so, like subsuming that stuff. Whereas, like, a teenager is more likely, I think, to just, like, act out on those kind of impulses. Yeah. Um, and, you know, take off their clothes to shoot guns, you know. In their cartoon character printed I, it is, And also, it, it kind of works in the... It, with, it reads fine, and it works in the favor of the movie, which is right, to show right, these, right. Are, these are still children. Right. These are very, very young men who yeah. still wear their cartoon underpants. Right. And want to act like, for lack of a better term, like big boys. And that right. involves shooting guns. But they're still wandering around in the cartoon underwear. Like, it right. it, it works in the, it, it is, it tells you a lot, it gives you a lot of information in a very visual, very compact way of like, right. these are children. Like, you know it because you can see it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we didn't end up talking a lot about Toto. Uh, no, I mean because actually, most, honestly, it's super speaking, depressing. It uh-huh. is depressing, and also Toto is, in many ways, Toto is the most played out of the stories in here. It is is the yeah. saddest and most depressing. Not, I'm not complaining, okay? Right. But like, in the grand scheme of things, one of the s- sorts of gang stories I've seen the most of is the young boy who wants to like get in the business, right? Who, right? Who is is put into more deeply compromising and ex- exploitive positions as time goes on to do that right by older people who shouldn't who should theoretically be trying to protect him but are instead exploiting him 
um, that's it's just a very tried and true and also very true to life story about what happens. Uh, right. What makes the other stories more engaging is they are engaging with the sorts of stories we don't get quite as often. Like somebody like Sweet Pea and the other guy, uh, Sweet Pea is the only name I remember, um, right. is is a less common story, right? Like they want all the affectation of that lifestyle, but they also want to go, quote unquote, well, go it alone and all this other well, stuff. Another thing, another thing it lets us do is to, yeah, another movie could have just followed Toto to becoming something like Sweet Pea to becoming something right. like and and, and uh, the Martin Scorsese you know, films have done that right right basically. right 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 yeah whereas you know they're all, they're also sort of the closest related in in you know the threat of this to to young men looking to belong or looking to have power or looking right. to define their lives right whereas you know Roberto Roberto has bought into capitalism and then realizes well the right and, of his ways right, right? and Roberto's and that's in a that different thing Roberto's to, in that position where he knows he needs you know he, he's it's more than just buying in like he can't he knows he ha- he's in that position we all are where it's like well you know you have to get a job but right. like how do you you get a job yeah, like, but he's also he's also someone who knows that his job is evil, right? Yeah, and and what we what we are doing at, with him is really fascinating in the sense that we are watching him find out the line where he can't compromise his humanity right. anymore, right? right? Like, right. And that's our it's a big his is one that story is one of there's a reason why that is the one I think about the most when I think about this right. movie because we. It's very easy. The acting's very good, and it's very yeah. easy to follow that process right. with him as and he even, watches and he becomes more and more disillusioned and right. and realizes exactly how where that line is for him and the right. fact that and, like he can't cross it anymore. And even more than whatever Pasquale is driving that truck to or for, Roberto getting out of the car and just walking down the road. Right is is a much more poignant. I'm done with this, and I'm getting right, out right, of this. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> because because you know yeah because Pasquale has right. uh, no, is still part of the system, right. whereas we don't know what Roberto is at this point. Roberto's yeah. literally just walking away. Roberto could be anything. Roberto still right. has potential, and the, it's important to recognize that the movie ends with the with the sort of annihilation of that. With the exact opposite of that, which is right, those boys being buried in a fucking right, like whatever right. that thing is. Um, I forget what those are called, but like backhoe, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like that's that is the movie ends on a sort of absolute annihilation, right? It, it they right. they not they're not going to have a grave. They're not like their their families won't know where they're where right. they, you know they're not they're gone. They just don't exist. They aren't people anymore. Even even in the sort of like the sort of extended through history sense of like your family and your friends, they're gone. They just don't right. exist. Um, and the, the the movie ends on that because that is that is the Roberto would be an exception, a special case. They are right. they are representative of what the the basic outcome of this system is for all people. <laughs> 
um, which is Annihilation, right? So. Cool. Right, right. <laughs> well, that was depressing. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is. I mean, it's The really good movies be. often are, right? Yeah, it, it is supposed to. It is. I mean, like, I'm not, I just, I can't, I'm running out of strength to muster to talk about it anymore. Right, 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 right. Well, let's uh, let's not then. Uh, let's call this one to a close. We've been talking about Gamora from 2008, uh, the story of crime in Naples. Uh, another another story about crime in Naples. Right, right. Uh, we've had a lot of them. Maybe we'll have more. And I got to be honest, I'm not. I'm not I'm complaining not, about that. No, I don't want to frame I, that. Like, I mean, I'm mad so about far, it. I mean, they're fine. So far, one they've been good. That there are some really <laughs> shitty ones out there, but right, so far, right, right. they've all all the ones we've gotten to watch have been real bangers. So yeah, yeah. But directed by Matto Garone, based on the book by Roberto Saviano. Uh, next week, we will be talking about Downhill Racer. I believe it was Ebert called this the greatest sports movie, not really about sports. Um, uh, but starring Robert Redford and always a delight to see Robert Redford show up. Um, I don't know. Have we seen any actual Criterion movies with Robert Redford yet? I can't think. Of I don't think yet. so. I don't think yeah. so. Which we, is, we've had him which in a is couple its of own bonus sort of movies, special but... element of the Criterion yeah. collection, right? Is that like we, there are some really, really important American actors who just do not feature <laughs> right. in the Criterion collection at all. Yeah. Cause Hey, Sometimes why should they, right? You know, yeah. That's not that's not that's not what the Criterion Collection. I understand. Well, again, we have no idea what the Criterion Collection is. Um, (laughs) Right, right, right. No, my my point is just that, like, I love me some Robert Redford, and I would like to see some, and I would like this this fucking podcast to give me an excuse to watch Robert Redford movies. (laughs) Thank you very much. Well, it will next week. <laughs> Damn Won't straight we be so will. happy about that I with will. Downhill Racer for 1969. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Liam Glass. With me, as always, John Factor, Oatari, Dorgan, and we'll see you all next time. Criterion. I'm your co-host Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My partner is John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and you can find him at J Patrick. Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at Patreon.com/lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at JonathanHape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.